As you probably know by now, earlier this week, President Barack Obama really threw the movement to defund the police under the bus. And I've addressed some of that here on social media, but what I want to play for you today and tomorrow is a two-part series that I recorded earlier this summer on 10 ways that we could defund the police. It was one of the most popular series we've had all year. When you hear it and understand it, I think it's going to make a whole lot of sense. And we could argue over the phrase. I've said it publicly. I, I love the phrase. It says exactly what we want it to say. But just listen to the series. Learn. Feel free to push back. I'm still in this dialogue with you. Let me unpack and explain it, all right? This is Sean King. You are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Again, just a gentle reminder that this series for today and tomorrow was recorded earlier this year, but the 10 ways that we can defund the police are as relevant today as they've ever been. Listen, learn, and feel free to give me some feedback. Let's go. This week, Alex Vitao, who is a professor of sociology at Brooklyn College and the author of what I think may be one of the two or three most important books of this moment, It's called The End of Policing. Alex wrote an article for The Appeal that I thought did an absolutely amazing job of providing some detailed and actionable policy goals for the movement to defund the police. Now, there's been a lot of debate about that tagline, defund the police. And while almost all the criticism is totally overblown, I accept that we need to do more to educate people on exactly what defunding the police means. I agree that it's what we need to do. I mean, defunding the police is what we need to do. But I fully accept the burden and responsibility of us trying to tell people, like, let me break down and explain for you what it means. So today, I'm going to break down the 10 specific steps that Alex Vital has laid out for reducing our reliance on police and making our communities safer for everybody. Now, I want you to listen closely. So if you ever hear somebody say that defunding the police sounds confusing or scary, you're going to be able to help break it down for them. Break it down. So, you know, one of the things that Alex did, and this is important, Alex broke down 10 ways not only that we can successfully defund the police, but 10 ways that will make our community safer if we actually do this. And it will defund police departments in the process. Now, the truth is, and Alex knows this, Alex can make a list of 100 things. But you have to sometimes give people bite-sized steps. These 10 steps are essential. And I literally agree with all 10 of them. So let's start with number one. It's something I've talked about probably 10 different times here on The Breakdown. The first thing is that we need to dispatch mental health experts to respond to a mental health crisis, not police. Now, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but it's worth repeating. Police officers are simply not trained, not skilled, and not prepared to respond to a mental health crisis. That's why cities need to instead hire mental health experts and social workers 
who are actually trained experts in de-escalating tense situations and working with vulnerable people. They do it every single day in hospitals and treatment centers, and they are able and willing to be dispatched to do it on the road in homes across the country. Because what we know is that the current approach simply does not work. I've said this before here on The Breakdown, but at least one in four deadly police encounters involve somebody experiencing a mental health crisis. In other words, somebody called 911 because their mother, daughter, uh, uh, their son, their father, their brother, their sister, their spouse was having a mental health crisis, and police showed up and shot and killed them. Now, some cities have already launched really successful programs that replace unarmed, that replace rather police with unarmed specialists in charge of responding to calls that are related to mental health and substance abuse. I love those programs. If you scroll back and look at one of the previous episodes where we talked about cahoots, that's one of the great programs in the country, but there are others as well. And according to polling data from Data for Progress and the Justice Collaborative Institute, Voters want to see this all over the country. Why? One, because they know it's more humane. But what we know is that everybody has family members that are experiencing mental health issues. And it's not just now, if you are young, black and having a mental health crisis, the likelihood that if you call 911, that something could something horrible could happen to your loved one goes up significantly. But I have seen police use lethal force and even just brute force to all types of people experiencing a mental health crisis. So number one, dispatch mental health and social workers to respond to the crises that people are having. I love step number two, and we've talked about this. Now we're almost at episode number 300 of The Breakdown, so there are hundreds of episodes where we've talked about so many different things. But I love step number two, Hire violence interrupters to reduce gun violence. Now, I want to tell you what a violence interrupter is because this stuff is working all over the country. Now, the evidence shows that police actually aren't very good at preventing or solving violent crime. And we know that flooding communities with law enforcement really only feeds distrust and makes police even less effective And it even sometimes, studies show, leads to spikes in violence when you flood communities with police. Now, violence interruption programs, on the other hand, have been able to reduce gun violence by working on the ground in communities where violence often breaks out to mediate conflicts before they turn deadly. You know who does a horrible job at anything like that? American police. Some of these programs include peer-based mentoring, job assistance, sometimes uh, emergency relocation programs, and all types of other community support. And we see these programs in Baltimore, in New York City, and other cities, and they've shown promising results. And again, the data shows strong public support for launching more of these programs. We need more of them, which takes us to step number three. We need to create unarmed traffic patrols. That's step number three from Alex. Create unarmed traffic patrols. 
Now, every year, police stop approximately 20 million drivers on the road. Now, I'm not even going to get in right now to how this is basically just a scam for police and law enforcement to pad their budgets. But many times of those 20 million traffic stops, many times these incidents lead to unwarranted illegal searches. They lead to unnecessary tense confrontations and in some cases death, including one of the leading causes of death for police officers, which is not at all what you think it might be. It's that they get hit by cars during traffic stops while they're pulled over. It's actually very dangerous for police. Now, communities of color face the worst of it. Black drivers are 30% more likely to be pulled over than white drivers. And people of color are significantly more likely than white people to have their cars searched and their cash seized. And none of this has made our roads safer, not at all. So instead of cops with guns, we should dispatch unarmed traffic patrols to respond to traffic accidents, to direct traffic, or to conduct other calls for service. Now, Berkeley, California, they're already doing this, and other cities should follow suit. Nobody should be punished for driving while black. One way to make that happen would just be to take cops off of traffic duty altogether, which takes us to step number four. Now, the truth is, I could do a whole episode on step number four, and Alex could write a whole book on this step Step number four is that we need to make crime labs controlled by civilians and not police. Now, there's a whole lot to unpack here because state crime labs are so messed up that I I think I actually am going to do a whole episode on them. But one way to fix the problem with so many labs using junk science or literally tampering with evidence to secure faulty convictions would be to sever their relationship with law enforcement agencies altogether. Crime labs need to be run by civilians, not by police and law enforcement, which takes me to step number five. Now, step number five is particularly important in America's largest cities like New York, where I live, where we have thousands and thousands of police whose job it is to regularly not just police our buses and trains, but to police the the stops And these police, just in New York alone, have been responsible for so many high-profile cases of police shootings, police assaults, and the misconduct disproportionately impacts black people. Now, every year, America's cities pay out millions of dollars, sometimes tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, for settlements for people who have been mistreated, abused, assaulted, and even killed by transit police. Now, here's the truth. We don't need armed officers to issue tickets for food vendors. We don't need armed police who are sometimes making $150,000, $200,000 a year in a place like New York to bust people who are jumping turnstiles because they can't afford to pay. We don't need armed police officers who are busting and arresting and ticketing uh, street performers. We don't need them to do that type of stuff. Instead, Cities can hire teams who are specifically trained to de-escalate encounters on trains, on buses, 
which are, again, so often dealing with homeless men and women, people who are struggling, people who are, who are fighting through poverty. We need teams that aren't a part of the police department who can actually de-escalate these situations and point people toward help. Now, additional civilian staff can also be hired to ride on the trains and buses to support the drivers and ensure that people are following the rules. Now, that may sound crazy to you. It's literally what happens all over the world. Now, listen, we have a quick word from one of our sponsors, and I'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Even though this episode was previously recorded, this ad for today is actually from today. And just a few moments ago, we learned that yesterday was the single deadliest day of the entire pandemic. And here's the thing. Mental health is not always the easiest thing to talk about, but we're struggling as a country right now. And I believe everybody should have a therapist, especially in these stressful times that we're living through. But it can be hard to know where to get started and even harder to find the right therapist for you. That's why BetterHelp is so good. BetterHelp is an online service that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And if you visit right now, betterhelp.com slash breakdown, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional, we have a special offer for you just for our breakdown listeners you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash breakdown. Check it out. So many of our listeners are using it and it's helping them right now. So I had originally planned on going through all 10 of Alex's suggestions today, but I think Dropping you with five today and five tomorrow is actually a better idea. I want you to be able to digest what they are and think through them. Here's what I know, and I really want to leave you with this today. Making us safer and defunding the police are not mutually exclusive. Right now, much of what police do doesn't actually make communities safer. They are normally responding after the fact. People are calling 911 after something horrible has happened. And what we need is to reimagine what public safety actually looks and feels like. And all over the country, there are brilliant programs. There are so many activists and, and organizations who are fighting to do these things. But I need you to understand that it doesn't always look like an amazing reform. Uh, just in New York, Uh, Just this past week, actually, our state legislature voted to stop suspending people's license when they can't afford their traffic tickets because it basically leads to mass incarceration when somebody can't afford a traffic ticket that they've gotten. And then all of a sudden their license is suspended. Then they get pulled over for anything. Now they're in jail and they can't afford to get out of jail. So they lose their job. And it just leads to this outrageous number of people who ultimately get arrested all the way back because they couldn't afford a small traffic ticket. 
In New York right now, over 1.7 million people have had their license suspended because they can't afford a traffic ticket. It's outrageous. And so the city is saying, and New York City and New York State is saying, listen, we can do better. There's another way to do this. I use that illustration to say that dismantling mass incarceration piece by piece, policy by policy, it's not always something that takes your breath away. Sometimes it's, it's a reform that looks little, like stopping the process of suspending somebody's license, a license that they probably are going to need to drive themselves to work. Sometimes they're essential workers, whatever it may be. Stop suspending their license, which only leads to more mass incarceration. We can do better. Now, listen, if somebody receives a DUI or something to that effect, that's different. But if somebody simply can't afford a traffic ticket or or a parking ticket or some other violation, stop suspending their license. And the New York State Legislature just voted to do that very thing. And so some of these reforms that we're going to talk about tomorrow, it's they're the same thing. They they don't make a city less safe. Not at all. They make a city more safe and allow those resources to be spent on something else. Now, we are now just seven days away from the launch of my brand new book, Make Change. Thank all of you who've already purchased it. You can go to makechangebook.com. We're less than a thousand books away from hitting our goal of selling 10,000 books for pre-order. I'm super, super grateful for your support. Also, I want to let you know, uh, we're just 800 members away on the Breakdown's Patreon account from crossing 3,000 members. And when we cross 3,000, we're going to do the Breakdown Live twice a week. So please, if you have not already, help underwrite the cost of the Breakdown. Go to patreon.com slash the Breakdown. Check it out. Chip in whatever you can to help underwrite the cost of this show so that we can be completely independent and speak truth to power every single day. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Momentum. Momentum.